It is that time in the week once again, talking about another edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you. And today we are finally wrapping up our 2014-2015 uh, Speaking for Him book club. And we do already have our titles selected for 2015-2016. And they will be review, reviewed revealed in just a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. But before we do that, we need to get to our latest title um, uh, for this year, or our last title for this year, and it is called 828. And Adam has a quote of the day before we jump into our discussion. What if that thing you really feared happened? Would the joy you hold pop, or would you experience love and joy deeper than you can imagine? And that is from the book 828. All right, and I just want to say that, and I know this is happening more and more lately, and perhaps it's my dad's wish coming to fruition, but whatever it is, um, I've gotten a lot more personal in the last several episodes, and this is going to be another one of those, because I really resonate with the whole thrust of this book, um, and I don't want to get too um, long-winded about that yet, Um So let's start with Naomi. Uh, Naomi, what were your initial thoughts as you began this book about Ian and Larissa? I like how they start out as friends. I think that's pretty neat. Um, It made me think of what C.S. Lewis says in The Four Loves about um, when you have someone that is not only your best friend but also your lover. There's days when you're going to love that person, and there's days when that person you're not going to love that person but they're your friend and I feel like they have that relationship where they're not just in love with one another but they're really good friends and they have a special bond in that way and that perhaps helped them when things got rough Mm -hmm. because the thing that I kept thinking is she's at least going to contemplate leaving him you know and then initially that's what I was thinking and You'll notice as we get into this discussion, she never really contemplates leaving him. That's like the last possible thing that she could ever possibly think to do. And the only explanation for that, of course, it's the grace of God, which I don't want to make light of, obviously. Mm -hmm. But there's also the foundation of friendship that he was so important to her that, and she was so important to him. And they had that mutual respect before that happened that she still even with his difficulties, couldn't imagine her life without him. Right. So I, I thought that, that set things up very well um, for them. And uh, uh, did you, were there any uh, stories that were particular humor, particularly humorous to you as you got into yeah. this book? Not any specifically, but I really um, thought it was neat that even after the accident when Ian is starting to communicate, she would say something and he would have this dry humor come back and make her laugh. And I just thought that was, here he is sitting in a lot of times in pain and he still enjoyed making her laugh. I mean, that is a, that is another uh, special thing that you see. um, And she talks about um, how, when he would laugh, um, it would take over his whole body. Mm-hmm. Like he had these deep-throated belly laughs and he just loved life. 
and uh, he loved others too and loved God and and that really attracted to her like you said and attracted her to him and him to her in in an organic way Mm -hmm. Um, and then also I also was refreshed by the fact that they both had this attitude like we're pursuing one another from the very beginning with a mindset not a not a guarantee but a mindset that says we're pursuing this because we want to be married and not this let's go have some fun and if it happens to work out fine but if it doesn't also fine i think there's too much lackadaisical relationship building in our culture and i think this story even in the beginning before the accident is a good example of how to do it right and how to have the right focus um as you begin and i i i think the biggest lesson in this book um i i'm kind of moving through these quickly these questions on my sheet here but some of these are going to take us longer to dissect but i would just say um biggest lesson in this book is about what love really is because we all understand the warm fuzzy of love we all understand what it means to to be awakened to loving someone or being interested in someone for the first time and how exciting uh that is and the prospect of oh i get to see this person we've all been there where we have these feelings but we see through this through this book you know every wedding that you go to or almost every wedding that you go to talks about for richer for poorer that you're you're vowing for richer for poorer in sickness and health uh, for better or worse and this book really showed two people who were in it for better or worse and i really appreciated um i really liked that about this um do you have any thoughts on the big lesson you took away from this book Naomi no I I agree I think that uh, like you said what really is love it's not always butterflies and rainbows um, sometimes it's suffering with the person that you care about or uh, going through happy times and good times and bad times and so no I agree with you um <clears throat> where were we going next did you have any, before we go any further, did you have any specific observations that you felt were not covered on my uh, question sheet? No, the only thing I was thinking is she mentions the blog. The blog. Um, does she still, and I kept meaning to look it up, does she still, do they still keep the blog? I think they may. That's something that I'm going to have to look up, and if they do uh, indeed uh, still maintain that blog, We'll try to include a link in the show notes so that people can keep track of Ian and Larissa because I think he continues to recover and continues to gain more and more mobility and ability to do things. And I really think that she has a lot uh, to do with that because there was a couple times, I think this is one of my favorite parts of the book, is there's a couple times when his physical therapist mm-hmm. couldn't get him to do, do stuff and she would come in the room and he would do it for with her and there was one particular time where the physical therapist when he reached out to grab larissa's hand ian did 
the physical therapist just burst into tears because you've been trying to get him to grasp her hand for, you know, three weeks with mm-hmm. no success. But she realized that Larissa, his his wife to be, was the motivation for him to get better, and was what it took for him to be motivated to do his therapy. And I think that was one of the interesting things was there was times when he would get so frustrated that he wasn't making progress that he would kind of get into these modes of stopping uh, his therapy or not wanting to be cooperative. And then they would have to prod him sometimes with tough love to get him uh, to realize the need um, to, uh, to continue in, in, her th- in his therapy and continue to work hard. Um, and, uh, I have the book here and I was trying to find a particular, um, section, but maybe I'll get to it later, um, because it's actually later in the book that, uh, kind of resonated with me and made me think, uh, uh, a lot. So we'll see if, if I get back to that, but, um, uh, I, talking about favorite stories in this book now now i'm feeling kind of like this um this uh book review is a little more uh all over the place than i expected but often when i listen to these back they sound better the second time than when i'm doing them so hopefully this is the case here but was there a particular uh part of the book or story in the book that stuck out to you and was an excerpt that you want to share? Uh, I like the um, story of their first time to the lake. I thought that was really sweet. That reminded me of growing up and going with my family. I have a big family on my dad's side, and we would always get together and go to the dunes or, you know, the lake, or we go camping together. And then the story when, after the accident, they go back, um, how they put him in the water, you know, you, you'd think they would just leave, you know, not, I shouldn't say they'd just leave him, but I just thought that was really neat that they were like, nope, you're getting in the water too, you know, I don't <laughs> care if you can't swim by yourself, you're getting in. Yeah, and my family um, really wants to get me in one of those beach chairs like in Grand Haven or whatever, <laughs> yeah. so maybe next summer. I've said that the last couple of years, but you know what, if I... um you know, if I if I found a girl that really liked the water, maybe that would be the motivation. I don't know. <laughs> getting getting personal here, but I, I um maybe eventually I'll do that. It's not near the top of my list. I think ever since my back surgery when I was seventeen, I kind of lost interest in any other getting wet other than bathing. I just don't feel comfortable in those situations. But uh, that uh, we'll see how that progresses. Whether. I get to that point, you know, there are other things that I might try once with the right person, like skydiving, mm-hmm. um, which, again, is not anywhere near the top of my list. But <laughs> in the right circumstance, it might happen, you know. Like if, if I'm working in radio and they say they want me to do a remote from the air, that might happen. <laughs> but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I'd rather do remotes at restaurants like Adam and get free food. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. Food on the ground is definitely a plus. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, we're digressing, so we'll get back on track here. Um, and I, I think I will put this in here, even though it's we're not quite to the end. Um, this is 
uh, an excerpt from the end of the book, or near the end of the book. They're preparing to get married. And uh, I think this was on her wedding day when she had this um, revelation. She says this, Beginning at 5 o'clock p.m. that night, I was disabled. My very last letter written to Ian was on our wedding morning, 8-28-2010. It summed up five years' worth of letters I was preparing to give him as a wedding gift. It's our wedding day. We're actually and truly getting married. I'm scared, happy, thrilled, and nervous. You are such a blessing to me, and I get to spend my life with you. We made it. We did it, love. We're going to be married in nine hours. Writing this is making it even better. Love you. Next time I write, I'll be your wife. Love me. And I just really resonated with the statement that she makes at the beginning of the section that I just read. Beginning at 5 p.m. that night, I was disabled. You know, I never really thought about it that way before. I always realized that if there is ever a time, Lord willing, when I take a wife and I get married and begin a family, that there will be a lot of sacrifices on her part. There's no dodging that. You know, I've told people multiple times that even though I've largely accepted the way God made me, I have to confess that sometimes... I lay awake late at night wishing for everything in the world that I could have a whole complete body to give to a woman in marriage to be able to do all the things that husbands are supposed to do. Um, And I know that I won't be able to do some of those things that are culturally expected of husbands. But when I read this book, I was encouraged because even with the revelation at the beginning of the section that I read, that beginning at 5 o'clock p.m., she would be disabled. So she's joining herself to her disabled husband, thus becoming one with him, thus joining in his disability. She still says, you are a blessing to me, and I get to spend my life with you. And I think that's such an encouragement to me because I realize that even with my frailties and my physical imperfections, that the right girl is going to find it a blessing to be with me. Not because of who I am, but because of who God is in me and who we can both be together for the kingdom of God. And I've been praying for that for most of the last decade, and I will continue to pray, and I trust that God will be faithful. And I know this got extremely personal, but um, there's there's really no other way to do it. You know, they got some flack when she decided to marry him and people told her she could do better. And somebody asked a reporter, a reporter asked him at one point, And said, what would you say to someone who says that Larissa shouldn't have married you? And he said this. He said, they should spend a day 
living Larissa's life. Because if they did, they would find that she lives with a husband who loves her unconditionally. And he knows the sacrifices she's made for him. But even with all of his difficulties, even with all of his uh, disabilities, he's still able to be the spiritual leader and the person that she needs. And I think that that was so encouraging to me because it redefines and shows us what, like I said earlier, what real love is all about. And I'm sure they still wake up some days wondering why this happened. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, that first week when they were in the hospital, they thought he was going to die. They were planning a funeral. His relatives came to see him, and then they left. They said, we'll be back Saturday for the funeral. And then he started to get better. But for all intents and purposes, they were planning to say goodbye. And it was actually, I think, his youngest brother mm-hmm. who said, we can't give up because God has a plan. And he may take him, but he may not. And then, of course, God preserved him, but he left the disability. You see, some people think, and we sometimes wrongly preach when we preach the gospel, that if you trust Christ, as your personal savior, everything is going to work out fine. Everything's going to be roses. But you know, the day after I accepted Christ as my personal savior, I still woke up in a crippled body. 31 years now that I've been walking with the Lord, and I still wake up every day in a crippled body. Some days are better than others. Some days... I want to be mad at God and still rail against him somewhat. Fortunately, the majority of my days are positive because I've come to realize that God had a plan for my life and he's working it out. But just because you trust him doesn't mean that everything's going to work out the way you think it is. You know, I had to learn this all over again when I graduated from college. I thought, I'll graduate from college I'll get a full-time job, I'll buy a house, I'll raise a family, and everything is going to be hunky-dory. Then God started me on this crazy ministry track with speaking for him and uh, first brought um, supporters like Naomi around me and then brought um, supporters like JQ99 around me and the opportunity to do this podcast with Adam McNutt. And just all kinds of things that I never expected. And so I think you will continue to do that. Um, and I I definitely appreciated a lot of this book because they realized that even in the imperfection, imperfections of life, that they could trust God. And... I think one of the things that hit me really hard was even after all this stuff with Ian, then was it a year later or two years later, they're back in the same emergency room Mm -hmm. because his father has a brain tumor. Mm. I think he was only around for like another nine months to a year after that. 
and, and he had been one of Ian's primary caretakers. So as if things weren't already bad enough, God took even more from them. And some people in reviews that I read about this book, they kind of criticized it for the simple fact that one minute she's praising God and, and feeling feeling happy with God, and the next minute she's still struggling, like she very much vacillates back and forth. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I thought about is that's the human experience. Right. And I think it's meant to come, like a lot of it is blog quotes. So it's real time. Yeah, exactly. And so basically they're just reflecting on on life as it's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't change a true story. Just a funny antidote that has nothing to do with this book, but it's still kind of funny. There was, I actually heard um, this story about a guy who went to an early screening of the movie Apollo 13 starring Tom Hanks. And he sat in on the screening and he told the producers of the movie after this, this test group screening, he said, I like the movie except for the ending because it wasn't realistic because they all survived. <laughs> but the whole reason that the film was made was because they all survived. Yeah. <laughs> that was the story of Apollo 13. Yeah. So I just found that to be uh, very interesting. Um, all right. So we're down to the last couple questions. Um, what would you say, Naomi, is the most surprising thing to you about this book? Uh, There's a part where Larissa is talking to him and telling him, you know, you were in the hospital and we um, thought you were going to pass away and we weren't sure should we take you off life support or not. And she said, then we made the decision to keep you on life support. And he says, thank you. And I honestly thought, wow, I don't know that I would be thankful for that. And... At the same time, you know, I could see in that situation where he would be like, oh, thank you, because I'm here with you and with my family. Um, So that was a total surprise to me, (laughs) part of the story. Well, I think for me, like, I I was kind of telling you this, and I don't know if I mentioned it at the beginning of the broadcast or before we went on mic, uh, that um, I was surprised that, with all of her struggles, and there were times when she's like, I wish I could have the old Ian, you know, the pre-accident Ian. Even with those struggles, she never really contemplated leaving him. Mm-hmm. She was always there. She always said, one day I'm going to marry this guy. And to me, that showed a great deal of fortitude. It showed a great deal of trust in God's guidance. And she said, I'm going to wait and be patient. Uh, because part of it is every, I mean, I have grown up, you know, looking forward to my eventual wedding day. I'm kind of an atypical guy because I've kind of thought through some of this stuff and, and even done some pre-planning, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, but I know, especially for girls, this is something they do a lot of, is this is what I'm going to do on my wedding day. And so she, one of the things that she talks about is just sitting through weddings friends and family members and wishing that it was hers and wishing that they were ready to take that step and having to be patient for that and just the fact that she was patient like that 
and didn't turn around and run because I've heard I've heard stories where they did run and I and I have felt that um, people have run from me I mean obviously we weren't to the point of let's get married but I felt like there have been a couple times when I wanted to deepen my relationship with someone and they run because they don't understand my disability they're scared of it and I want to say this right up front that there's nothing wrong absolutely nothing wrong with being scared of my disability um but the only way for us to deal with it either in the context of our friendship or in the context of a future romantic relationship is to be able to talk about it freely I use the analogy of a wall brick wall and a rope you can look at the brick wall and you can wish the brick wall wasn't there as I sometimes do and if you run at the brick wall full speed ahead and you pretend that it's not there it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. All you do is get a bloody nose. So what you need to do with the brick wall is instead of saying the brick wall isn't there or I wish it wasn't there, is to say the brick wall is there. How do I get over it? Where is my rope so that I can uh, ascend this wall and get over it? Not pretending that it wasn't there, but rather knowing that it is there and working within that context to still achieve your goal. And um, that's really what I've tried to do all throughout my life. And so in this area of interpersonal relationships, I will continue to um, take that attitude. And I just really appreciate the fact that they went into their marriage knowing a bunch of hardships. And again, just the fact that she said, as of 5 o'clock today, I become disabled, realizing the full significance of becoming one with this person Mm -hmm. and that that didn't stop her from doing that that it wasn't like oh i can't do this because this happened to you because here's the reality folks if you're married right now any one of your spouses i don't wish this on anyone but any one of your spouses could get into a car tomorrow or even today and get in a car accident and be wheelchair-bound for the rest of their life. Anyone could join the club, so to speak, that I'm in at any point. So it's not enough to say, well, I'm going to marry a perfectly healthy person because then uh, I won't have to deal with any of the problems. Because there will be problems. Everybody has problems. Another thing I think that's good, though, is their problems were out in the open, so they had to deal with them. So they're probably better at dealing with even some of the more hidden problems than other couples would be as well because they know how tough it is to battle with the visible mm-hmm. problems. And just like with me, I have to trust other people to get me up in the morning. I have to trust other people to drive me to the studio to do this podcast. I have to trust that Adam, when he presses record and says, we're ready to start that it really is started because <laughs> I can't, I can look over and uh, check the sound waves. But other than that, I can't really tell what's going on. I have to trust his knowledge. And the fact of the matter is we all have to trust other people for our success. Some of us just have the privilege of knowing it in a more tangible way. And I think that's an important part um, of this book. And so 
I would just say I think that everybody I know should read this book. I am probably more passionate about this book than any other book we read this year with the possible exception of Crazy Love because that was an awesome book but that is a world-changing book that makes you really uh, go inside yourself and think. But I think everybody I know should read this book because it will open your eyes to disability in a way that you didn't understand possibly before. You know, I've had the privilege of seeing um, siblings of mine work with other people that are disabled because of the fact that I was disabled. Because I opened that door to them. My uncles work with people with special needs. I think in part because they had me as a nephew. And so they kind of got to understand some of that stuff. But for for the vast majority of America as a whole, who doesn't often think of others, we don't think about the disabled community, you know? Like, even little things, like my old house where we had a cemented in back ramp when we sold the place, and they and the current owners or the owners before the last owners decided to rip it out. You know, if your house is handicapped accessible, anybody can buy it. A handicapped buyer can buy it. A non-handicapped buyer can buy it. Both. Mm -hmm. If you make the decision to not make it handicapped accessible, then you've narrowed your, um, your possible buyers by actually quite a lot. Not to mention that a lot of people will spend at least a part of their life in a wheelchair <laughs> for various reasons. Mm -hmm. So these are just things to be aware of. So this is why I think this is such an important book. And it showed that it and it shows that it does work. I think that's one of the encouraging things to me too is that so many times, you know, I, I don't see a lot of books like this that really show a relationship between someone with a disability and someone who doesn't have a disability working out. And um, so I would just encourage you, if you haven't read this book, to pick up this book, to enjoy it. Um, like I said, it's kind of like reading the Psalms because there's a lot of uh, fluctuation between being really happy and being really depressed and then being happy again. And it puts life in perspective and shows you um, to appreciate the little things, to appreciate what God um, does give us and how he works in our lives. So I hope that you will um, pick up this book and read it and learn even more about it than what we've been able to share in this fairly short podcast. We don't want like to give away too much of the books anyway, so I think this turned out to be a pretty well done show and hopefully... Like I said, it sounds better on the second uh, run through when I listen to it later. Uh, maybe Adam can make me sound smarter than I already <laughs> do. Or maybe that's asking too much. We'll find out. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, with that, I just wanted to ask Naomi as we finish up, what would you say to people if they asked you, why should I read 828? Like you said, to have... Um you know, if somebody met Larissa in the store, they wouldn't know uh, what she was doing. You know, what she was, uh, how her life was. Um, it was just a good reminder to me to have compassion. My um, mother-in-law recently lost her husband to cancer. 
And she had to do a lot for him. You know, uh, he couldn't go to the bathroom by himself. He couldn't shower. She had to bathe him. There was a lot, you know, change his clothes. Um, and he was, like you said, he was in a wheelchair for, I think, the last week. And um, she was exhausted. And my husband actually went down and spent some time just to help her and uh, do what he could. And um, so, yeah, just maybe be more compassionate. You know, the Bible says to be compassionate toward one another and love one another. And I think sometimes we can get used to things or we have become somewhat independent. And uh, she talks a lot about how his family encouraged her, how her family encouraged her. And it just, um, I guess it opened my eyes to just be more, you know, maybe just, uh, like I said, more compassionate. And and this is a good point, too. Uh, and I really think overall it's important. But one of the key things to a marriage being successful is for the parents of each spouse to be on board to be to buy in to this relationship we often think of um in this culture as individualistic the modern uh dating thing says i'm going to marry this person but will you give me your blessing anyway even though i've already decided that i'm going to marry this person that's kind of the way we do it in the modern uh understanding and i really liked i went to a wedding recently and they actually asked the parents as a part of the ceremony both as the parents will you support this couple as they embark on their marriage and i thought that was very significant that they both that they all four all four people all four parents made a public commitment that they would support them and i just i really appreciated the fact that neither set of parents was like you know you need to get out of this you can do better no, they were just like we're going to support, um, we're going to support you. Um, there was one point where Larissa, where I think it was actually Ian's father, said, um, "I don't want to discourage you in any way, but I want you to be sure that you're going to marry him or leave, because mm. I don't like to see your relationship in limbo." But as far as as far as discouraging them or making them think that it wasn't possible, they never got that from the parental units. And I thought that that was very important. And also, he had great friends around him. Mm-hmm. And I'm blessed to have that too. Friends that don't see my wheelchair. Friends that work around my wheelchair. There was one friend that wanted him as the best man in his wedding. This was planned before the accident. Even after this accident, when he was still kind of in a semi-comatose state, when he was still in his wheelchair trying to regain his strength, this man still had him in his wedding. Mm -hmm. He still stood by him. He still went to see him all the time and even, I think, participated a little bit in his personal care. And that, my friends, is what real friendship is about. I've had to ask Adam some pretty awkward questions that you don't typically have to ask a friend. You don't (laughs) think you would, but he's been very gracious with me. And I really appreciate that. I think Adam's very gracious overall. And I I have brothers 
that are the same way, and I have a father that's that way, and I have other friends that are beyond gracious. Um, Naomi's always up for learning new things. Of course, there are appropriate boundaries in certain relationships. But the point is, I feel so blessed to be surrounded by friends that aren't fair-weather friends. And I want to encourage you, and I hope that you will read this book because it will teach you what real friendship is all about. That it's not about what can this person give to me, but it's about giving ourselves for other people. That's what real life is about. I just want to close with this verse. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Let each esteem others better than themselves. And I think the reason that Ian and Larissa's marriage works is because they each do that. They esteem the other better than themselves. And one of the things that Larissa said on a video that I watched was the biggest reason why I married him is because I know that if the shoe was on the other foot, he would have done the same. And, uh, you know, I also heard that they have a blessing board and they write on post-it notes what their biggest blessing is. And his most frequent entry on that post-it note board is for his beautiful wifey. That's what he calls her. And he feels so blessed to have her. And that is just such an encouragement to me. And someday I hope to have that. And knowing that I, in many ways, have more ability than he does, I know that I know that I know that I can do this. And I want to encourage you that if you are in a situation, whatever the case may be, whether it has to do with a relationship like this or whether it has to do with your job situation or whatever it is, that God can work out the details. He already knows the details. He's already working. You know, sometimes when we think nothing's happening is when some of the biggest thing things happen you know i when i first came into wjq i thought i'll do a two-minute interview and they'll forget all about me but i came in and i did one interview and they're like would you would you do this every quarter every four months and i was like sure i'll do that every four months by the time we were done recording he's like Maybe we'll do it a little more often. The day that my first uh, devotional was recorded on the morning show, I was recording my second. And I came in to do morning devotions on the JQ morning show for two and a half years. And overlapping with that was the opportunity to do this podcast. And then I had this bright idea to have a guest in the studio because I realized that I would get to use the big studio instead of just the small production studio. And so I had a guest and now guests have become a major thrust of what we do here on mm-hmm. Team for M. And I've been able to do national radio interviews now, two national radio interviews as a result of this podcast. So you just never know what God's going to do and what, how he's going to add and grow your vision. Because there was a time when I thought my vision for radio slash podcasting was going out the window. 
because God was leading me in a different direction. But he circled it back around. So I want to encourage you that God can work out a plan. And 828, aside from being their wedding date, is also a significance because it refers to Romans 828. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. And if you go down further in that chapter, you will find that the purpose is to be conformed more to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of suffering. That's the beautiful secret that we talked about a few weeks ago with Jonathan Peavy's sister Angie. Because Jonathan's purpose, even though he can't communicate, is to help us serve, to help us be better people. And so wherever you are, you have a purpose in God's plan. And you have a way, if you are breathing air, to show God to other people. And I want to encourage you with that today. I could go on and on, and I don't want to start to ramble. So I will um, just end with that. Thank you, Naomi, for coming in today. Um, I hope that uh, this podcast didn't get too intense, um, but it really is real. I mean, it's it's about as raw as you know it can it can get. I know a few weeks ago when we did our 150th, that was one of the compliments that I got from a listener was how raw and real this podcast is. And uh, this this uh, this discussion about this book is definitely that for me. And so I hope that that comes through. I hope it's encouraging to you. I hope that you will pray for me as I soldier on, continuing to do what God has called me to do. And I hope that you will pay attention because in just a few short weeks, we're going to reveal four more titles that you can read along with us and have um, fun in the coming year. Um, I don't want to say what those titles are at this point, but they will be revealed to you soon. So uh, thank you again, Naomi, for being here, and uh, I hope that we can continue to do these. uh, And we'll also have to eventually get AJ in the studio. I don't know under what guise, but maybe one of the shorter books this year he'll read with you and... Maybe he'll have reflections. I don't know. Yeah, I can read it to him. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. An audio book. There you go. In-person audio book. We'll see how that develops. Um, But uh, it should be a fun time again next time we get together for our book club. And remember, if you want to read any of these with us, um, please pay attention to Facebook, uh, either my personal page or my Speaking for Him page when we reveal the titles. We'll review the order they're going to be read, and we'll try to give you a couple weeks' notice um, for when we're going to go in and record the podcast so that if you wish, you can join us or at least send a voicemail with your reflections. All right, well, that's all I have for you today. Um, Until next time, keep serving the best of masters. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 